The Permian Basin is an abundant oil and gas producing area. Already one of the world's leading oil producing regions, the area in West Texas and southeastern New Mexico could nearly double crude oil production by the year 2023. But who are the leaders behind this economic powerhouse? And what is their story? This is Permian Perspective. I'm your host, Krista Escamilla. Sponsored by Baker Hughes, a GE company, inventing smarter ways to bring energy to the world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. It is such a pleasure to be sharing this time with you today. I am sitting in Midland, Texas, downtown at the Reliance Energy Building with Grant Billingsley, the executive director of the Scarborough Foundation. Thanks so much for being with us, Grant. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, before we jump into our interview, I want to, first of all, ask anyone that is listening to please take a few minutes and leave a review on iTunes. I would love for you to say something really nice about our podcast. I know it's new and I appreciate those five-star reviews. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we may even read one in a future episode. So thank you very much. Okay, Grant, thank you so much again for joining us. Let's talk about you. How did you get into the oil and gas industry? Well, just about anybody who lives in Midland is connected to the oil and gas business. And I've been here for going on 44 years and never, I did work for an independent oil and gas company. I was a lobbyist in Austin doing government, state government affairs for a long time, but now I work for this philanthropic organization that tries to help our community. And that you do. I love the foundation. The Scarborough Foundation does so much to help out our community. And I think it's a story that a lot of people haven't heard in the oil and gas industry. We hear a lot about the uh, the big players and our small independents, but not the philanthropy. Can you share a little bit about how this organization got started? The organization, like a lot of philanthropy, and, and we have, we're blessed. We're blessed in the community to have a lot of charitable organizations who support the community. But this was created by a family who wanted to leave a legacy of helping our community grow and develop and serve the people who live here. And I'm blessed to be able to work here, but the family has a rich history of this community and building it, and it's fun to be a part of that. They really do have a rich history, as you mentioned, a, a lot of the land that when you look around Midland, if you're sitting here like we are in downtown Midland, you look around and you think that was owned by the Scarbers, and they have donated a lot of land here in West Texas. I think one that is really that kind of stands out in my mind is the Midland International Airport. I love that the reason why so many people can fly in and out of Midland is because the Scarbers donated that land. How do you feel they've helped the community in so many ways? It was a long time ago. Mr. Scarber Sr., Clarence Scarber Sr., was certainly a part of building this community in its earliest days. And at the time, they, the government had a bomber training base out here. This is the wild and remote areas. And they they determined that they needed to expand that training facility. And he he was willing to provide the land, and after the after the government was finished with it, it turned into a commercial airport. And so now, and just by design, it was located midway between Midland and Odessa, and so it's perfectly located to serve our two communities that are both growing like never before. It really is growing like never before. You said you've been here 40 years. There have been many highs and lows through those 40 years. What would you say to someone that maybe is just moving here to West Texas and some advice that you might give them on your experience and your knowledge of being here? I've told people all along that you have to, you have to live here for a while. It's remote. 
it's not as attractive as some places w- p- some people would like. We don't have we don't have mountains, we don't have rivers, but what we are we are blessed inordinately by the natural resources that are under the ground. And so that creates a lot of opportunity for the people like us who are fortunate to live above the ground. Now, we do have to make it ourselves sometimes because we are relatively remote. We're a long way from other large metropolitan areas and so we have to bring it in, build it, operate it, and do that. And over the years, we've been blessed by companies and individuals who have seen the need to provide for this community. And so we enjoy some things that are kind of unique to a community our size. You mentioned the, the scenery. There's pump jacks, there's, there's tumbleweed, and the most beautiful sunsets you will ever see. <laughs> that is the sky. The sky is our landscape, and there's no there's no denying that. We for a long time, and still, I guess the the area here is known as the land of the high sky, and that's because it's just almost limitless when you see it. And we have a lot of cloudless days that, um, and what clouds there are in the in the mornings and in the evenings, they provide an extraordinary sunset that's not cluttered by trees or hills. So. That's right. Let's talk a little bit about the, the Permian growth of you know, the next five years. And I know with your organization, where, where do you see your goals going in the next five years and the industry in general? Well, right now as a community, we're, we're needing to work. We are working together to pull together to understand and provide for the growth that was not expected, but is now apparently it's coming and we need to provide for it. We need to provide for the people, their needs, the needs of the businesses that come here because right now the Permian Basin Midland serves as the administrative center, if you will, and, and now the production center of the Permian Basin, which is one of the largest, if not the largest producing region in the country. And so we're important economically for the country. And so that requires people and people need to live here and people that live here need schools and hospitals and streets and things to do and basic services. And we as a community need to pull those together. And fortunately we have, we have a growing coalition of both private and public resources that are working together to try to figure out what do we do to, to manage the prosperity that we're blessed with right now. That is so true because it, it, there is a challenge with that that I think a lot of people don't understand if they've never been here to West Texas and seen it for themselves with the traffic. We, yes, we don't have Houston traffic, but we have traffic that doesn't fit our roads, our current our current roadways. So I'm glad you, that you pointed that out. Let's talk about the difference between this current situation that we have with the growth and the boom compared to maybe years past since you've been here 40 years, you've, you've seen it. What do you think is the biggest difference? The biggest difference is technology and the vast horizons that open up with the development of technology that can develop here. Most people don't realize that the Permian Basin was long ago. It was, again, it was the, it was the largest oil producing region in the country. But back in the 50s, 60s, and by about the 70s, it was slowing down. And and looking back in history, by the time I got here, which was about 1975, a lot of the large national oil companies had already left. They felt like the Permian Basin had was mature. It had already kind of played out. We were only drilling vertical wells at the time. They viewed the future of the basin as not as bright as it had been. So a lot of the majors left Midland and they sold they sold some of their some of their land, some of their acreage producing properties. They sold them to 
people that became independents, that started private companies. Some of those people who worked for those majors who chose at the time when told, let's say, in late 60s that their job no longer was in Midland, but it might have been in Houston or Tulsa was then the oil capital of the world back in those days. A lot of those individuals said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in Midland because I like it and I, I like the way the community is. So they stayed. And a lot of those individuals had, were tremendous successes. And they are a lot of the individuals who built this community into, into what it is and providing us a lot of the things that we enjoy today. And so that was the better part of 50 years ago. And so now, now what we're experiencing is a lot of the largest oil and gas companies called sometimes called ultra majors, but certainly global companies, they are coming back and they're coming back in a hurry. And that's a wonderful thing for us economically, but it poses its own challenges and we need to prepare for them because they bring, they bring abundant financial resources to, to develop these natural resources that we've got, but they're also bringing qualified, mostly young highly talented people and all the service individuals that come along with it. There are a lot of people coming here and we need to, we are working together in increasing numbers of public and private partnerships to do that. And that's the only way we can get it done. So would you say that's the biggest difference maybe is seeing that public and private partnership coming together for the better of our community? Yes. I think the biggest, the biggest opportunity that we're finding there is, is how these companies Companies that have been here for a long time, companies that have come back, companies that are new, all of those are working with philanthropy, organizations like ours. And like I said, there are a lot of foundations who help this community in this region and then local government and state government because state government realizes that they benefit in a very big way from the things that are being done here, the production that takes here, because a lot of people may or may not know it, but a lot of the resources that are are in the Delaware Basin, for example, our University of Texas and and state owned properties that provide a lot of money for higher education at Texas A and M, University of Texas, Texas Tech, and other other institutions of higher learning here in the state. So, it's important not just to the country; it's it's really important to Texas. And so, what we're doing here is is of interest and note to a lot more people than just those who live here. Very very true. I know growing up in California, I didn't see a community come together as much. And our community was great. I mean, I don't want to to, to bash where I grew up. I love I love the community I grew up in, but I never have seen the philanthropic efforts like like Midland has and Odessa and West Texas in a whole. When something happens, West Texans jump in and they they help each other out. How does the Scarber Foundation do that? And what is the goal of the foundation to better our community? Our goal is just to make uh, Midland and the Permian Basin a better place in which to live or do business. And that is a part of the family legacy that has been here. And I think that that common that is a common theme shared by many of the organizations. Some, some of course, have specialties, whether it, it might be healthcare or education, might be higher ed or, or public ed. It might be, it might be social services because, because every community needs, needs help for making, helping people get through each day. And so, but for the, but for the Scarborough Foundation, ours is mostly community development, providing things where we can, where we can maybe get a project started and, that might not get started otherwise. And so it's, it's fun. And now with the ability to work together with other growing companies, companies that are new here, and then working with local government, sometimes even state government, it's, uh, we're able to get some things done. It takes a while, but it, we're able to get some things done. 
And you're doing a great job of it. You really are. Is there a story or maybe a success story that you would like to share with our listeners that really kind of showcases what your mission is and what you just talked about? One of the most recent things that uh, that has happened here is that our downtown, we have a we have a sort of surprising downtown in terms of structures for people that are driving past between Fort Worth or Dallas and El Paso. And they look and they say, well, what is that? Well, that's downtown Midland. And it's been this way for a long time. But between that time, say from the 60s till about till now, there hasn't been much added. In fact, there have been some things that have needed to be removed. And within about the last five years, we our, our county courthouse, which like a lot of Texas communities, was at the very center of town. And our county outgrew the courthouse and moved to a new facility just a couple of blocks north of where the county courthouse was. And that facility became, that space became available. And after a couple of projects uh, got started and didn't quite get off the ground, the opportunity came up. The thought was, well, why don't we just make that a green space? We don't have a lot of green space here. And what if we built a park that people wanted to go to? Trees, water, shade, things that things they might want to do. And so we looked and we saw, we found excellent models to emulate from Dallas and Houston. Dallas and Houston have been, have done a great job and Fort Worth also as well of building downtown attractive spaces that people want to go and be a part of. So we looked at what they did and we figured out how can we put that in Midland? And so we got together, we saw, we saw a plan. We found other, other philanthropists, uh, other philanthropic organizations, other foundations, companies, the city of Midland who owned the property. We put together a plan and together we were able to do it, but, and we and it's under construction right now, but we all agree that, it was for a size, a community our size, it was too large for any of us individually to get it done. But together, we were able to get it done. And we're all looking forward to when it opens in May of 2020. So we're about, we're some time away from doing that. But it's going to be really nice. And I think it's going to serve as a gathering space for, for this community and the people from around, because it's going to be something like doesn't exist around out here very far. Right. And I love that because together we are stronger. And that is really the theme that you can feel here in West Texas right now. And I love that you're doing that as a parent. I remember going down there when it was Centennial Plaza and you could, we would take our family pictures there and the kids would just get to run around. But now it's going to be so much more. Can you explain what's going to be there so that someone that maybe doesn't live here, they could understand what, what we're getting? Because I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what it looks like when it's finished. Well, the park's going to be about, it's, it's again, it's right in the center of downtown. It joins, it's right up next to the brand new Barbara and George H.W. Bush Convention Center, which is being, which is a new facility. To call it renovated isn't accurate, but it is on the side of our prior community center. And so it's a lot larger, will be new, and it'll be part of that. But the park adjoins that. It's nearly four acres, maybe a little more, which compares to the parks in Dallas. The Clyde Warren Park in Dallas is, I think, a little more than five acres. And in Houston, the Discovery Green right next to the George R. Brown Convention Center, it's about 12 acres. But here, we, we tried to take the best components of those parks uh, that bring people things like a stage a video a video display board a play area a dog area restrooms a large great lawn landscaped and trees and shade and and a splash pad 
and a splash pad for the kids. And all of those components were both in Dallas and Houston. And it didn't take long to go and see that people really enjoyed those. They made use of them. They came all the time. And that's what we're looking to do. So it's going to be fun. I'm so excited. I had no idea it was going to entail all that. That is fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about your how you got to where you are today. I know that you started in oil and gas and now you're in philanthropy. What was important to you in making that decision and and making that jump from the business sector to what you're doing now? My entire career has been involved in economic development for the community because when I moved here, again, it was a time when, when some of the largest companies were leaving. And so we were looking as a community, we were looking to attract other types of businesses. We were, because, the thought was the oil and gas wouldn't last forever. I mean, I remember very definitely we had presentations about it being a finite resource and there was only so much that could be produced. And so our job was to diversify the economy and bring other employers that were not related to oil and gas production here. And so I've been involved in that. I worked with the Chamber of Commerce. I was on the staff there for a number of years before I I went to work for an independent oil and gas company. But even when I was with the oil and gas company, I was still involved in community development. So by working in Austin, do things that could help our community, help the the industry, as well as the company I I was fortunate enough to work for. I was involved in community development as well as economic development. And so when the foundation, when the Scarborough Foundation started up, I was blessed to have an opportunity to, to get right involved with some, with an organization whose goal was to to help this community grow and develop and make it a better place for the community. So I've been blessed to do this my entire career. And so we've moved from a time of seeking to diversify to a time to manage the growth. And so, like I said, the better part of 50 years that says now the basin that wasn't worth staying for back in the late 60s and 70s, now people are coming in droves and they can't get here fast enough. They can't get enough property to develop. And so we are over. It's embarrassing to say, but we are overwhelmed with economic prosperity. And for being in economic development, when you seek to have people move in and you want to find people to come and invest and build their company here and do that, right now, we are in a period where we don't have to recruit people. We have to, we have to help accommodate those that are coming. And we don't know how long this will last. We know that it could change, but for right now, we're on what appears to be the front end of a significant economic expansion. And that's exciting, but it has to, it it requires a change in attitude and a change in approach. And that's why this opportunity between public and private entities working together is about the only way we can undertake it. Well said. That's funny you mentioned that because my mom asked me this morning, how long do you think this is going to last? (laughs) Talking about the prosperity here in West Texas. And I said, Nobody knows. I mean, there there are ups, there are downs, but we do know it's here to stay for for a while. <laughs> Every indication is that this should continue. There continues to be demand for for the oil and the natural gas that are being produced here, and there will be for some time. And so, technology is the biggest driver, and technology is the biggest thing that's that makes this possible here. Fifty years later, when people said it's over, now it's back. And who can who can predict what technology will do for us in the future? that can make can make this so so different it's an exciting time and the oil field the oil field that has has always been human dependent meaning it couldn't get done without people being out there well technology is changing some of that and companies increasingly are working to find ways that how do you do this using technology rather than rather than people 
and individuals. It's going to be a long time to do that, but it's already happening in ways. And so those kind of changes could make this last a lot longer, but it's exciting to be here right now. What is your most used business tool that has helped you through the years? Relationships, telling people, meeting people, talking about what can be done, what needs to be done. When you, when you work when you work with government like I did for so long, you learn that you can't get anything accomplished by yourself. You have to build a coalition somehow. You have to line up with somebody in order to get things done. And the larger government is, the more you have to have more people involved. And so that opportunity, that experience that I gained in how do you work to build a group to try to identify the goal, figure out the priority. You know, there are three questions. A friend of mine reminds me almost every day, he said, start with, what do you want to do? How much is it going to cost? And now what are your priorities? And how are you going to get that done? And we're facing that. That sort of sequence now is happening a lot in the community. How do we build the roads? Housing. How do we, how do we build housing that is affordable and can, can accommodate the people that are moving here? How do we get the doctors? How do we get the teachers? How do we build the school buildings and the hospitals to, to accommodate the needs that, uh, needs that we're enjoying? Building a park. Some people might say that a park wasn't our top priority, but it's sure going to be nice, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be used. People that have worked with us before said you can, you can pretty well count on it being more popular than you even an, ever anticipate. We had another opportunity a few years ago that came back in, started a project that started in 2006, opened in 2011, was a performing arts center a performing arts center that was built between Midland and Odessa, a product of the University of Texas Permian Basin, UTPB, an 1,800-seat performing arts center. We had a, that was another thing. It was, it was probably the, it is, the most remarkable cooperative venture between these two communities that are, that are deeply competitive between one another that made that possible with, again, public and private money that came together. And, and I, was inv- I was fortunate enough to be involved in that project. And what, uh, looking back, the Wagner Noel Performing Arts Center so far exceeds what anybody dreamed for it in terms of what it does, what enjoyment it brings to people, the type of, uh, the type of education and entertainment that it attracts. And then to hear, to hear many of the performers and groups that visit there, when they walk in, they go, what is this place doing out here? It's <laughs> it just is incredible. Out, it's, it's just incredible. out on the middle of a plane and this big, huge, beautiful, unique building. They walk in and they said, this is remarkable. And that is a testimony to the communities and to this region and to this industry that says it is possible if we work together. And that was a perfect example. But that is the kind of thing that we have to, we have to develop ourselves. And we needed the help of government, but government couldn't do it alone. It is top notch. And for anyone that is listening around the world, we would invite you to go look at wagnernoel.com. It is incredible what they are doing and and the amazing talent they're bringing to West Texas. And like you said, it makes people happy. When you go to a performance there, you can't help but leave with a smile on your face because you just experienced something that was top notch from everything, from the performers to the acoustics, to the seating, to, to everything. It really is an incredible venue that we're lucky to have. So on behalf of West Texans, thank you for being a part of that and bringing it because it really is wonderful. Let's talk about your most important lesson that you have learned in business or life. It still comes back to people. It still comes back to connecting the dots 
And I've been fortunate to be here for a long time. And over time, you you build acquaintances and relationships and, and get to know people. And being able to figure out how you how you work to get something done, put the people together that can talk about what needs to be done, talk about those priorities, talk about the challenges, and then figure them out. And then the other thing is not along, along with the ability to just sort of connect dots on people that should be involved in a conversation on a project is the ability to, well, it helps to communicate. Communication is critical and it's required. It doesn't, social media doesn't help in that particular, it's like face-to-face. It still is in writing. You still have to put things in writing because deals are done in writing still. And you have to, you have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to be clear and, and you have to be able to work things out. And so you can't always get what you want. But if you can find find that common ground, and so it's the art of compromise a lot of times that gets you to the end goal of of getting to a project that a lot of people can embrace and support and enjoy. I love that. Do you have any favorite books or podcasts that you listen to? No. Right now, we have so much going on now, I don't even listen to that. I, I barely listen to much news. I try to get my news each morning and in the evenings, but no. I'm not in the car as much. My job keeps me here. I'm not on the road because when you live out here, you do spend a lot of time in the car and that would be a great time, but I'm not doing as much of that. So a lot of my friends tell me what to do and I get to listen to some of that, but nothing regularly for me. Hate to admit. No, that's, that's fine. I understand. We all go through seasons. I went through seasons where I read a lot and then I went through seasons where I listened a lot. And then there were seasons where I didn't have any of that feeding me because I was too busy raising four kids. So I get that. No, I understand. Let's talk about favorite quote. I'm a big quote person, love quotes. Do you have a favorite quote that you live by or one that just kind of has inspired you through the years? Golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. When you're in the business of trying to get things done and knowing you've got to have other people along with you, you've just got to treat people the way you want to be treated. I love that. Finally, is there, is there anything that you want to share with our listeners just about the Permian Basin for them to understand what, what it is like here? Because it, we are such a, a, a thriving community and growing and, and everything we talked about today. And I, I've loved hearing your, your, your take on it. Is there anything else that maybe we haven't touched on that you think that everyone needs to know about the Permian? It's a unique place. Everybody says that. But it's, it's unique in its geography and its remoteness in the resource that's under the ground and invisible to so many, but improves the lives of so many. I mean, when you think about all the things in our world that are, that are made with or by hydrocarbon products, you can't get by. And so the products that are produced in this region touch the lives of millions of people all across the world. And so it's a special place. And like I said, it may not be as attractive as some people want, but the people are what make wherever you live. And so we have a lot more of them, people, than we did before. And we're having to get acquainted and work through some of these challenges. But but it's a good place. There are a lot of wonderful places in, in Texas and other places. But come and visit sometime if it's it's not on the road to a lot of places, but we're we're trying to make it a community where where those that are in business or want to do business, they're going to want to come here. More and more people are doing it. Absolutely. And when you say that, I thought of, ooh, what about advice you would give to someone that is new? Because I like that you mentioned that we have a lot of new people coming to town. Any advice to someone new in the industry that is moving to town? Don't be afraid to ask for advice because almost all of us who live here 
were new at one time. There still aren't an incredible number of natives who, because the community was uh, the community was vastly smaller and different. So most everybody was came here from somewhere else. And so when you come, just like when people move anywhere, the best thing to do is ask somebody who's lived here. Where do you go? How do you find a doctor? Where do you get your clothes cleaned? Where do you where do you go to the grocery store? I mean. Just right. don't be Dentist, afraid to ask everything. because because yeah. everyone, most everyone has came here at one time or another and they remember what it's like. So you can't be afraid to ask for help. Good advice. All right, Grant. Thank you so much. Grant Billingsley, the executive director of the Scarborough Foundation. I appreciate you sharing this time with us. It was wonderful to hear your perspective and it's wonderful the things that the Scarborough Foundation does for our community. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'd also like to thank Baker Hughes, a GE company. They are inventing smarter ways to bring energy to the world. They are sponsored for our wonderful new podcast called Permian Perspective, the story behind the oil and gas leaders in the Permian Basin. As always, I invite you to go online, go on iTunes, leave us a review. Let us know what you love about it. Give us some questions. Is there someone you want me to talk to? I would love to hear from you. And as always, remember to dream big and believe in yourself. You make it a great day. Tune in next week for another episode of Permian Perspective, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at www.oggn.com.